Welcome to Big SEC Guys. I'm your host, Daniel Poppy Southers, and this is my co-host, Tucker, the damn good dog, Compton. We are the Big SEC Guys. They're the Big SEC Guys. Tuck, what do you say we uh, we kick things off with a little big SEC guys mid season awards and rankings episode? How you feeling today, man? I, I'm excited to do this one. We get to look back uh, at the first half of the year. Kind of crazy that it's flown by this quick, uh, but I, I'm excited to hop in and and see where everything's at. You know, I, I think all these will probably change a lot by the end of the season. Uh, cause you're going to see, I mean, there, there's some teams that are just, they're hot right now that, that probably won't be as hot come the end of the season. So, oh, yeah. um, but you got to give credit where credit's due. And, and I think you're going to see probably some surprise names at, towards the top of these lists. Um, and just also full disclosure in case we pop over and start talking about this Atlanta Braves game, but yep. we were watching the Braves <laughs> and uh, I believe we just started the top of the ninth uh, when the Braves just went up five to four in this game. So I might be a little distracted popping in and out talking about that game. Tuck, I appreciate that transparency. Uh, listener, I, I I do have the Braves game on right now, so I'm, I'm podcasting <laughs> while watching the game. Uh, so, you know, if you hear me or tuck get excited about something or get frustrated about something it's uh it's monday night the braves are playing the phillies and uh austin riley our guy just hit a big home run to give us a 5-4 lead so we've got a we've got a positive energy about us while we're podcasting and we're both cheering on the atlanta braves baby best team in baseball that's Best right. It really baseball. turned around my ma- mood coming into this game that home run did. So I, I, I was starting to feel a little depressed and down and out uh, just because the Bra- Bravos couldn't pull any pull anything out on offense. But absolutely, uh, Tuck. We, they, uh, they finally decided to uh, turn it on in the seventh inning here. So we got ourselves a game. The mood's high, and I'd be remiss if I didn't tell our listeners about a little sleeper parlay I had in. Basically, final leg was Ronald Acuna stolen stolen base, and he. Uh, out of nowhere, just stole third. So <laughs> I'm thrilled. I've never been happier. Uh, we're, we're coming into the pod with a great energy. And back to our awards. Uh, we're going to, I'll do something we like to talk about in the finance world when working with clients, and that's called setting an agenda. I'll set an agenda for you, listener. We're going we're gonna to do some midseason rankings. We're going to give you our top five quarterbacks, our top five running backs, our top five wide receivers slash tight ends. You're welcome, Brock Bowers add him in there to the rankings. <laughs> We're going to give you our uh, our defensive players of the year. We're going to give you our freshman of the year for offense and defense. Then we're going to finish it out with a little coaching rankings. And uh, throughout the episode, we're going to tell you why on some of these things. So we're going to tie in some of the SEC football you've seen through the first six weeks. And Tuck made a great point a second ago. I, I'm making these lists. And, you know, if you would have told me preseason, my top five quarterback running back and wide receiver list would all include somebody from Missouri I would have punched you in the mouth I would have told you <laughs> I, I thought you were crazy and so there's uh there's names in here that I, I wouldn't expect if you were to tell me that my number one running back in the SEC halfway through the season was going to be on the Kentucky Wildcats I would have told you you're crazy but 
that's why we're doing the rankings. That's why we're going to talk about them. And I'm excited to uh, excited to dive in with you, Tuck. Let's do this. Where do you want to start? I mean, I'd say we start where everyone wants to hear. Let, let's dive into the QBs right out of the I gate. Love it. I love it. The most important position in football, the quarterback. You want to go uh, five, four, three, two, one, back to back, Tuck? How does that sound? You want to kick us off at number five? Let's do it. At number right. five, I've got Ole Miss's quarterback, Jackson Dart. Wow. Jackson Dart at five. Tell me more. I, you know, I think he has played some good football, but not the best football in the big moments. Um, he is up there as far as QBIR and, and quarterback ratings go um, when it comes down to it and, and stats wise. But he's also been taking a lot of sacks. And um, he's, I don't know. So I think a lot of people might have him higher on this list solely based on, on some early on stats, but I, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, I mean, his completion percentage is lower than pretty much everyone else I have on this list. Uh, and, and I just, I think in Lane Kiffin's offense, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I think this is still higher than I had him in the preseason rankings. So, I mean, I, I don't want to say he's been disappointing sitting here having him at five, but I, I do think that other people probably have them, have him higher on their list. I love it, Tuck. Sorry, if I'm a little distracted, did you just see that catch by Michael Harris? Yes, it was. <laughs> oh sick. my god, that was unbelievable! So you're getting a you're getting an SEC rank plus live reactions to the Braves game. <laughs> I think this, in its own right, could be a great podcast uh, for the Braves fans. Michael Harris just it looked almost like a robbed home run, and then gunned a guy out at second to finish the game. So that's that'll be the last. <laughs> That'll be the end of that. Braves win. Braves win. Series tied one one. Going back to Philly. That's that was wow. That's I did not realize that was to finish the, the game off. That, oh yeah, that yeah. is insane. That, I mean, that, that, that's exactly what the Braves needed going into game. Oh three. my gosh! Yeah. I mean, that was I mean, a catch, and then he he guns them out trying to trying to cheat a little bit ahead of schedule. I mean, oh, they're showing the replay now. Oh my god! Not to oh yeah, with Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler was dealing all oh, he, he game have been long. And wow, yeah, what I'm watching the replay right now too. Wow. Yeah, not quite a robbed home run, but it Very was close. up there. <laughs> uh, then it guns them out. I love it. So Jackson Dart at five. Um, I'm excited to hear the the rest of your list. Uh, I, I think it's gonna be a little different than you think it might be. I think I think our I think both of our lists are gonna be maybe a little different than we think. So that's exciting. Uh, I'll give you my five, Tuck. You're going to be very familiar with this guy. That's Carson Beck, the Georgia quarterback. Um, I'm I'm sitting here watching uh, watching the the SEC, and I just I can't help but think this Carson Beck guy's pretty good, Tuck. Uh, he's do I think he has the one of the easiest jobs in college football? Absolutely, but at the same time, the rest of the team's so good that. There's an added element of pressure, I think, specific to Carson Beck. Uh, and he's produced, I mean, right under 1,900 yards, 73% passer, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's got a command of the Georgia offense. We've seen him throw it into some really tight windows, especially when you think about that Auburn game and the comeback. And uh, I, <laughs> one of my favorite sayings, I like the cut of his jib, Tuck Carson Beck. <laughs> I like this guy. Uh, 
You yeah, know, I'm not going to argue with you right I'm now because I got them coming up a little later on my list, uh, as you can Love probably it. guess. Um, Love it. But I did just look back, and I, of my top five, only two of my top five from preseason to midseason are the same, which I wow. think is kind of interesting. Uh, I, I think my, my top five preseason were Jane Daniels, K.J. Jefferson, Will Rogers, Devin Leary, and then Jackson Dart at five. So I, I've got Jackson Dart staying right where he was. Uh, but obviously do you have KJ my top Jefferson, five? I do not have it pulled up in front of me now. Okay. I know for a fact I've got at least two. I think it might be two as well. Yeah. So that, that, that would be you. my guess. Things are changing. Uh, so I'll go next. I'll go to my four. This guy's been great. I've got Brady Cook at four. This was somebody I had as one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the SEC preseason. And, you know, I I, I I cheer for the SEC, so I'm happy to say I'm wrong. Very similar numbers to Carson Beck, actually. So 1,880 passing yards, 72% passer, 13 touchdowns to two interceptions. He loves throwing it to Luther Burden III and Theo Weiss, two five-star recruits who are now receivers at Missouri. Brady Cook looks really good. I mean, he's... He's he's got this Missouri team role, and I've been really impressed. Yeah, I, I think Brady Cook's a stud, and and I once again I think you got this guy too low on your list too. I, I I've got him up a little higher too, not to spoil my whole list before it pops Love up. Love it. But I'll roll into my number four, where I've got someone that I am sure you have higher on your list, Spencer Rattler. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait for him on my list. Which I you know I think after. Week three, Spencer Rattler was the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, he it. was stats-wise and, and everything else. I, I mean, honestly, if you just look solely at the stats right now, he probably shouldn't even be on this list. Um, he's, But you got to put in perspective what he's going through. I mean, yeah, the guy has been sacked. The whole story. He's been sacked 22 times uh, oh. so far this year. Um, while if you look at, you know, someone on the opposite end of the scale, Carson Beck has been sacked three times so far this <laughs> year. Um, I mean, he has been scrambling for his life. He's got his top wide receiver out, and he's yep. he's making it all work with Xavier Leggett. And, uh, you know, so that I, I I put him up higher because of that um, than than what just the statistics show. Uh, but I look, I, I think Spencer Rattler's playing out of his mind, and he is he's carrying the South Carolina team to be way more, uh, way better than honestly that team should be this year. Tuck, you nailed it. I, I think South Carolina is going to finish six and six, and without Spencer Rattler, Rattler, I think we're a two win football team. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it. I, I think Spencer Rattler definitely elevates you from Mississippi State level type team. Absolutely. Um, all right, Tuck, your three. My three and my three, I've got Carson Beck. Nice. I'm not too far off of you there. I, I'm not, you know, crazy throwing them up high on my board. And obviously, you know, a week ago, we'd be having a different list. Um Crazy enough. I mean, I don't know if I would have Carson Beck on my top five list before I'm, this Kentucky game. I'm right there with you. But can Carson really put the team on his back? I mean, I, I think this is one of those situations where Mike Bobo has been 
playing so within themselves, trying to get Carson Beck to learn this playbook. And everything behind the curtain has been saying he's doing everything he needs to do and more, but we've been waiting to see it on the field. And then this last game was his coming out party. They finally let him loose and they let him sling it. And it showed. Uh, I mean, if you look at just statistics-wise, he's got the second most yards in the SEC. He's got the second highest completion percentage in the SEC. He's been sacked the least times or tied for the least times in the SEC. He's got 11 touchdowns to three picks. Um, He's averaging almost 10 yards per throw. Uh, So, I, you know, it's one of those things that he's – he's bumped up so much higher. And I, at the end of the day, he, he could bump up maybe to number one on this list, probably just to number two. Um, and I would kind of expect him to do so by the end of this year. I, I see him just getting better and better and better as the season goes on. I agree. I, I had him in my top five, as you mentioned, he, uh, he's a better athlete than I realized. I'll say that. Um, you can watch him move around in the pocket and sort of get outside the, get outside the hashes. And he's a, uh, He's a, he's a pretty dynamic little athlete. I've been impressed. Yeah, he's, I mean, he was Mr. Football in Florida. He, he played basketball growing up. I mean, he, he's an athlete. Well, there you go. All right. My three, you mentioned them. Jackson Dart, Ole Miss. 1,650 yards, 64% passer, so a little bit lower when it comes to completion percentage, but it's important to note, listeners, if you look at the data, Jackson Dart's pushing it downfield a little more than some of the others. 12 touchdowns, two interceptions, and i got to be honest, let's talk about another guy who I didn't realize had the dual threat capacity. He's got 300 rushing yards and four touchdowns. I mean, he's in the top 25 in the SEC in rushing, believe it or not. So Jackson Dart's been great. We knew about that talent as a recruit. We knew about the talent in the transfer portal. We knew this kid had a lot of juice and uh, I watch him. And I think this is a, I think to myself, this is a top three quarterback in the sec. Been impressed. I mean, he's a stud, no doubt. I just, I want to see him take that next step. And I, I want to see Ole Miss take that next step and and win. Me too. You know, win win that big game and, and, uh, in good fashion and call me crazy you almost for me like a carson beck almost (laughs) he almost like loses points because george is so good and then a a jackson dart for me almost loses some points because i think lane kiffin's so quarterback friendly so that's really that's not fair to the player but that's sort of how i think about things yeah, well, I, 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 there's something to be said there. I mean, I think anyone in Lane Kiffin's offense, no matter who, who you put at that quarterback position, is going to look at least yeah, decent. You know, it's like Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley could have the two of us up for Heisman contention. <laughs> exactly knows, knows how to do it. Um, all right, I'll go to number two, or let's let's just go ahead and do number two and number one. Um, no, no, let's not. Let's just go. To, I'll go to two. Jaden Daniels, LSU. Uh, the stats don't lie here. I mean, this is the best stats in the SEC by far. 2,000 yards, 73% passer, 19 touchdowns to two interceptions, true dual threat, 400 rushing yards, four touchdowns. Jaden Daniels will probably be part of the Heisman conversation with guys like Caleb Williams, guys like Michael Penix Jr. 
Uh, he's been really good. It's fun watching him sling the rock to Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. Brian Thomas Jr. leads the uh, country, I think, in touchdown receptions right now. So Jaden Daniels has been a uh, been an absolute stud. He's in the two spot for me. Yeah, um, I think you're crazy for not having him one. Uh, yeah. As you will see where I have him later. I mean, the stats <laughs> uh, don't lie for him. Stats, he, stats can be deceiving. He, he is the one the one hope that the SEC has for Heisman potential. Uh, at the end of the day, they have not lost the game at all because of offense. Uh, it's all rested on that defense, uh, which – you know, it's, I think, hurting Jane Daniels a little bit in that Heisman conversation because, obviously, the better your team is, the more exposure you get and, and the uh, higher up that Heisman board you get pushed, I feel like. And Jane Daniels isn't quite getting the credit he deserves there because I, I see him continuing to of the record. have these crazy stats. Yeah, because yeah, they of the record. It's all because of the record, and they, they've lost their, their two biggest games so far yeah. this year. But yep. They're in shootout fashions, and if you look at his stats during those games, it, it has nothing to do with him. I mean, it, yeah, if your defense is doing his best, yeah, if their defense showed any grit or any stamina and, and made a couple extra stops on some of those games, then we'd be talking Jaden Daniels as the hero of LSU football. Um, so. I've got him at number one. Spoiler, I'll go ahead and knock that out of the way. I've already kind of given my spiel there, so let's do that. And then at number two, I've got Brady Cook. I mean, Brady Cook has been nothing but incredible this whole season. Again, I mean, talk about a team that's overachieved so far. Uh, And I think solely about Missouri. When I'm thinking yeah. about the SEC, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was looking through these teams for these midseason awards, and I was like, you know, who has really pushed above expectations so far this year? And really, the only team I can think of is Missouri. I <laughs> wouldn't say that anyone else. Is, over. Yeah, I mean, no one else in the entire SEC has done significantly better than we anticipated them to do. Now, some yeah. of them have been about the same. Um, some might be like slightly better. But not not really. I mean, we're really looking at Missouri, and I, I think the biggest difference for them is Brady Cook taking the big step forward and that offense uh, turning into this high-octane offense where they're letting him let the ball loose to these big five-star wide receivers. And, I mean, the stats just go to show how good of a year he's had. I mean, the one loss that they've had this year was – pretty much by i mean it ended up being by like 10 points i think to lsu but it in re, all reality it was a three-point game where three missouri had game, the ball yeah. at the end of the game and, and very easily could have won it in, in a shootout type fashion uh so again again that was not brady cook's fault more missouri's defense fault and if their defense had one more stop in that game we would be looking at a team that is six and oh with the win over lsu and everyone's sitting there wondering if they're going to compete for the East. Um, so I think Brady Cook has really taken that next step. I Going back to those former QB rankings, I had him third to last. And so having him go from third to last to second in the SEC is a huge leap forward that he deserves. But that's what makes the SEC so great, Tuck. I mean, we 
we came in preseason and had a pretty good idea of what that quarterback ranking should look like. And they've flipped it on our heads. Shout out to Brady cook. He's been great. Uh, That's right. And I, I think a big part of it too, is the offensive coordinator flip over that we we've had this past year. So there was so much unknown in this off season that we're finally starting to kind of iron out and see who's who. I like it. Back in the, uh, in the great, the great, wonderful words of lyricist, artist, songwriter, Billy Joel. Before I tell you this next one, allow me to give you a Billy Joel quote. You may be right. I may be crazy. But my number one, Spencer, the rattlesnake rattler, South Carolina. When I think about these quarterback rankings, Tuck, I played a little game. And that game was called, Would I Rather Have This Person or Spencer Rattler? And I looked at all 13 other starting quarterbacks in the SEC. And you know what I came up with? Rattler. Every time. Would I rather have Carson Beck or Spencer Rattler? Rattler. Would I rather have Brady Cook or Rattler? Rattler. Would I rather have Jackson Dart or Jaden Daniels or Spencer Rattler? Give me Spencer Rattler. The stats aren't everything. 1,400 yards, 73% passer, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, 100 yards rushing, another two touchdowns. But stats, data, stats don't always tell the story, Tuck. And I, I get it. I mean, I, I watch one of these quarterbacks <laughs> significantly more than the other and the others and and pay more attention to one of these quarterbacks more than the others. But what I've seen is a guy who I I truly think Spencer Rattler is a a top five quarterback in college football this year. Um, I think he's going to be an excellent professional quarterback. I think he's been amazing for South Carolina. The guy has no help. He has no time. He doesn't have his top receiver. He's got a mediocre offensive coordinator. He looks like Peyton Manning when you watch him. He's basically calling the plays at the line of scrimmage. Uh, it's incredible to watch. I've, I've, It's been such a joy for me to watch Spencer Rattler this season. I think he's the best quarterback in the SEC. I wouldn't wouldn't have anybody else over him starting at South Carolina. So he's my number one, Spencer, the rattlesnake rattler. And another key point with the data is that the, the data doesn't look great, but uh, he's also played one less game. So we had our bye week. So, you know, you give him another 400 yards and he's in the 1800 plus club with the Brady Cooks and Carson Becks and Jaden Daniels. So. There That's true. There it so, is. Yeah, I, I think you've got an argument to be made there. Um, and if you're looking purely at talent-wise, what you got, then uh, I, I I don't completely disagree with you. Um, yeah. I mean, I I think if you're looking at solely on that, I do think it's the Daniel Dan- Jane Daniels or Spencer Rattler conversation. I agree. Yeah. For looking at, yeah, a little arm talent, I, I think we'd add in Joe Milton, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah. We, <laughs> there's some things with Joe Milton. I, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's totally right. I'll just say that. Um, right. Whereas I, I think Rattler and Jane Daniels are, are pretty finished products from what we've seen through the, the six weeks here. Uh, I like it. So let's remind the listeners my one, two, three, four, five. I had, I had Spencer Rattler, number one, Jane Daniels, LSU, number two, Jackson Dartle, Miss, number three, Brady Cook from Missouri, number four, and Carson Beck, UGA, as my fifth best quarterback in the SEC. Tuck, can you remind us of your five? And I had Jane Daniels, Brady Cook, 
Carson Beck, Spencer Rattler, Jackson Dart. So we actually had the same five, just different yeah, orders. Just in different orders. So, well, there not you go. Too far off. Those are the five best quarterbacks in the SEC through six weeks. And now, time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is actually sponsored by The Cottage Shop, the premier wedding shop in Savannah, Georgia, and your one-stop shop for wedding registry, fine china, calligraphy, and custom invitation design. The Cottage Shop, where weddings happen. Uh, let's keep it running. Let's keep it moving. Let's go to uh, let's go to running backs, Tuck. How does that sound? You want to start or you want me to start here at number five? Uh, you kick it off. I'm, I'm pulling over these names right now. At number five, I've got one of my favorite running backs in the SEC, maybe my favorite running back in the SEC, uh, and that's Logan Diggs for LSU. He's got 500 yards. He's averaging six yards per carry. He's got four touchdowns. And the important thing to note is he didn't play a lot in the first two weeks of the season. So this is basically a four-game sample size where he's putting up these numbers. Great pass catcher, great pure runner, uh, really good transfer running back from Notre Dame. He's a Louisiana guy coming back to LSU to play for the Tigers. Uh, And he's somebody preseason I thought was going to be an elite SEC type running back. So I was really confused watching the first two weeks and not seeing him get a lot of touches. Uh, But it looks like LSU's figured it out. He's the he's the bell cow now. He has a significant amount of their touch share. uh, And he shares that with Jaden Daniels, the dual threat quarterback. But the past few weeks, it's been the Logan Diggs show. And I think that's really helped LSU in this rushing attack. Yeah, I, I've got Logan in my top five as well. But here in the five slot, I've got Jaquavius Marks. I like who it. I've been so high on all season, and I want to see him higher on this list. Um, but they just—I don't know—they if they just some games they, they want to give him the ball a lot, <laughs> and then some games they want to just take it out of his hands. I this <laughs> offense hasn't figured out what a what they want to be, and I. Honestly, props to him for being on this Mississippi State team and making a top five list. Uh, I think he's the only guy in any position group to make a top five list uh, in the SEC this year on that team. So good for him. I mean, he's got 450 yards, averaging almost six yards a carry, uh, four touchdowns. He's having a a great season on on a team that's been – subpar and so I, I i really like this guy i think he probably should be higher from purely a talent standpoint but he just hasn't been able to show everything that he can do and you know if he was on like a georgia team we might be talking about him in a different light tuck you nailed it i uh i had him at my four he's your five he's my four um and and there might be some you know, there might be some uh, favoritism there. I love Jaquavius Marks, and uh, it doesn't seem like Zach Arnett loves Jaquavius Marks because I, I just I pulled up some data. His past four games, he's averaging nine carries per game. That makes yeah. no sense to me because Mississippi State does want to establish the run, and he's – I mean, let's call it out. I, I think he's their best offensive player, so it is confusing that he's not getting touches. Yeah, I mean, he's the best weapon they have. I think they're just going down sure. early and and completely abandoning the run. And uh, hopefully, in the second half of this season, they they 
try to stick to it and at least keep these games close. And maybe if they do that, Jacoavius will move up this list for us. Yeah. I mean, even against Western Michigan, he, uh, you know, they were leading that whole game and he didn't get that. He only had eight carries. He didn't have that many touches. Very, yeah. I mean, we talked about Logan Diggs having not playing very much early on. Well, he still has one more carry than Jaquavius Marks. Yeah. Um, which is crazy to think because, I mean, we early in the season, Jaquavius Marks was getting every touch. It seemed like he was the bell cow for this offense and they were leaning yeah. on him oh, heavily yeah. and they just completely abandoned it. Um, but I will use that to go into my number four, which is Logan Love Diggs. It. So, so we've nice. got this four and five. Oh, we got them flip flopped. Yeah. Um, and, and I look, I mirror everything you say. I think this guy has been great. LSU does a really good job uh, at kind of you know slinging the ball, and I think Jane Daniels being able to run the ball, I think it, it helps open lanes for Logan Diggs because uh, he's kind of the last part that people think about on that offense uh yeah. but he has been really good averaging six yards carry and uh this offense has been incredible and, and uh Logan Diggs has been a big part of it I like it Tuck I agree looks like we had a little flip-flop I'll uh I'll go to three my three was Jalen Wright on Tennessee Tennessee had a bias they don't statistically have the best rushing attack in the SEC anymore but um on a per-game basis, they still do. I like this Josh Heupel rushing attack, and Jalen Wright's the – you can't call him the bell cow because they've got a couple of different options, but he's he's definitely the primary, let's call it, <laughs> rusher of the football. Uh, gets a lot of carries, gets a handful of receptions. He's electric. He's a, a quick guy, which is fun to watch. He's got 435 yards. He's averaging 7.13 yards per carry, which is nuts. So he's getting a ton of yards per touch. He's got a touchdown. Uh, and he's just a guy I really enjoy watching. I mean, uh, his most recent game, I watched him absolutely torch South Carolina for 125 yards on 16 touches. And he, uh, it's always fun to watch the, you know, the fast guy in the fast high octane offense. So I've really enjoyed watching Jalen Wright. I've got him in my three spot. Yeah, I think we're probably based off this probably going to do another little flip-flop here uh but in my three spot i've got cody schrader nice missouri (laughs) tiger running back uh i I was tight between him and jalen wright who you will see i cut is coming up in my number two slot um but i got jalen wright slightly above cody schrader solely because he's kind of splitting the carries with jabari small yeah, I, I think you know if, if he was the only one getting these touches, he would be dominating uh, this running back list probably, and it might be all the way up at number one. I mean, if you look at their Jabari Small and Jalen Wright's stats combined, they're definitely the best in the SEC. Um, and this guy being the head of that monster, Jalen Wright, averaging seven point one yards per carry. I mean that that put him in the the number two spot for me with, with Cody Schrader being right there at number three, this Missouri offense, I've talked about it when I did the QB rankings. And I, I, I think, you know, there's another situation of the quarterback and the running backs kind of feeding off of each other. Right? Once you open up that downfield attack, I think it helps open up some running lanes uh, for Cody Schrader. And he's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. Uh, he's got the second most yards in the sec. Uh, he's, 
been doing really good for this Missouri team that hasn't necessarily had a, a dynamic rushing attack in years past. And so I, I think uh, him stepping up for this team is, is really helping them out. And then I'm, that's why I'm getting him at the number three spot on my list. Tuck, we are very well aligned. And uh, for our listeners thinking, how could you not have a bulldog on this list? Well, I've got some good news for you. I've got a, a bulldog coming up here at number two, Cody Schrader. And you say, but Daniel, he doesn't play for the Georgia Bulldogs, but he was a transfer from our very own, the Truman State Bulldogs, Division <laughs> Two. Cody Schrader was incredible at Truman State, listener. I mean, he, thousands, thousands, thousands of yards. I think he had like 4,000 yards in basically two years. He goes to Missouri. He was good last year. He's been great this year. 577 yards, six yards per carry, six touchdowns. He's just fun to watch. I mean, he's a stocky guy, great vision. Uh, he's been an absolute pleasure to watch, and that's why I've got him in my two spot, Cody Schrader. All right, you want to kick off the number one? I'm sure we got the same guy up here. Oh, he's been boy. dominating college football from a running back standpoint until at least this past week. Yeah, if you had like, what is it? Day one, day one Edwards here instead of uh, <laughs> instead of Ray Davis, I'd be like, oh no! But I did just have Spencer Rattler, so I couldn't give you too much of a hard time. Um, my number one is Ray Davis for Kentucky. My assumption is that that is Tuck's number one as well. It is. You, you can reference the Florida game. He had twenty six carries for two hundred eighty yards. You heard that right, two hundred eighty yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he leads the SEC in rushing at six hundred fifty three yards. He leads the SEC in yards per touch at 7.18. He leads the SEC in rushing touchdowns at eight. This Kentucky rushing attacks the real deal, and and Ray Davis is the uh, he's the conductor of this rushing attack. He's been incredible. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he, he pretty much leads in all stat categories. Um, I do think a lot of this was boosted from that Florida game where he just he pretty much had four games in one. Uh, in that game, it, it felt like they just he had a force field around him, and, and Florida refused to touch him. Uh, and he came back. I do, you know, I, I think Ray Davis is an absolute stud. Obviously, Georgia's defense is really good and kind of stopped him uh, from doing too much in that game. And so I, I do think he might come back to reality a little bit in the second half of the year. But you got to give props where it's due. And then that first half of the year, Ray Davis was by far the best running back in the SEC. And so I give him all the credit in the world. Uh, he, he deserves it. And Tuck, you nailed it. Ray, Ray Davis is at a cool journey. Um, started out at Temple and was uh, electric as a freshman. Was on the uh, the off-conference freshman team. Was a honorable mention for a couple of like the freshman, all-American and regional freshman type lists. He's at Temple in 2020, COVID year, basically gets canceled. Uh, then he transfers to Vanderbilt, uh, if you remember. And 2021 didn't have a ton of touches, but 22, he was the bell cow at Vanderbilt, had over 1,000 yards, had had some pretty big games and some of their key wins last year. And then, you know, the transfer portal thing starts to go crazy. He goes to Kentucky, and I thought, why would you go from Vanderbilt to Kentucky? And we're seeing why Tuck. He, That's right. He he believed in Mark Stoops. He believed he could give more to the SEC, and that's what we're seeing. I mean, this guy is this guy is on pace to potentially be an All American type running back. 
Um, so I've been very, very proud of Ray Davis making us proud in the SEC. Yeah, Vandy fans got to be hurting just a little bit watching oh, him be this successful, and, and especially with how bad they've been this year. Um, but that would be so frustrating. To, that'd be like me watching like Xavier Leggett instead of going pro next year. He goes to Georgia and has two thousand yards, and I'm just like, oh no. You, you mean it? Really you tough. mean Georgia watching Jermaine Burton put up two hundred something yards against uh, Texas A&M last week? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. That's ex- that's an excellent point. Well, Tuck, remind us, uh, remind me of your running back rankings, and I'll do mine. So mine were Ray Davis, Jalen Wright, Cody Schrader, Logan Diggs, Jaquavius Marks. Okay, mine were almost exactly the same, but slightly different order again. Same five: Ray Davis, Cody Schrader, uh, Jalen. Jalen Wright, Jaquavius Marks, Logan Diggs. Yep. And listener, if I could go back in time, I'd probably put Logan Diggs at four and Jaquavius Marks at five, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> we we got to be right. a little different here, Dan. Yeah, well, we had some nuanced differences there in terms of just the, the order of the ranking. Right. All right, let's do wide receiver tight end. I'm excited about this one. Tuck, who's in your five spot? Wide receiver My number slash tight end. five spot, I am giving a little love to our Vandy boys over here with Will Shepard. Three-headed monster. I feel like I had to give Will Shepard some love. I mean, playing for Vandy, it's got to be tough, you know, and you just saw what happens when these good players leave and and go do some better things elsewhere. Um, And Will Shepard could probably do just that, but he's sticking it out over there at Vandy. I mean, he is – Number five in the SEC as far as yards go. He's averaging uh, almost 16 yards per catch. Uh, he's, he's got eight touchdowns on the year. I mean, he's second in the SEC. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you look at his stats, they're right up there with everyone else on this list, pretty much. I mean, not completely at the top of this list, but he's pretty much right there. And so doing that on that team. I think it is even better. And so I think you got to give him some extra credit there and, and put him up into that top five. I agree, Tuck. The one, um, the one, the one thing I struggled with, I did not have Will Shepard in my top five. And a, a reason for that is uh, Vanderbilt has played seven games where like a couple oh, of the SEC true. teams I probably have only didn't played. Even think about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've played seven games. I forgot where... about that damn week zero game. He snuck <laughs> yeah. in on me. And he, yeah, so he had, I mean, he had like, he had six receiving touchdowns basically six days after South Carolina played their first game. So I thought, oh boy, a little bit of a head start. Uh, but he's been great. I mean, he's the, he's the head of the snake for that Vanderbilt three headed monster. So I, I don't blame you. I like, I like the Will Shepard pick. I'm going to go a little against the grain. This is a guy that I love. And and once again, the data is not going to back this up. So if the listeners are just looking for like data-based decisions, you're, you're going to get that for my next three players, but you're not going to get it for my five spot. My five spot is Evan Stewart for Texas A&M. He's got 400 yards and four touchdowns, which is just sort of middle of the pack for a good SEC receiver right now. But, um, I watch him and I think this is an elite, elite wide receiver talent. And for the folks that are listening saying, well, Daniel, he's not even the best wide receiver on his team. That's Anaya Smith. My, my response to that is uh, stop it. 
there's a reason the number one defensive back on the other team always lines up with Evan Stewart. And that's because he's a dog. So I've got Evan Stewart at five. I think this is, I, I think Evan, I look at Evan Stewart and I say, this is a top five wide receiver in the sec. This is another one tuck where I had to play a little mental game. And the mental game was like, if I could choose five pass catchers to be on South Carolina, who would they be? Uh, and I kept coming back to Evan Stewart as my fifth. So he's in the five spot. All right. Well, I'm going to remember this, how you're thinking when, when you come up, when I see wherever Brock Bowers ends up on your list, because I'm being true to Brock Bowers with his performance on the year so far this season. And I've got him in the four spot. You got um, Brock in the four spot. Do I think Brock is probably the best, oh. most talented guy? Uh, I mean, if I, if I were, I've been looking more at statistics. Obviously, you've been going more on feel and who would I plug into this position and do uh, who do I want on my team? Um, but Brock has disappeared in a few games. Now, there there was rumors of, of lingering injuries and that kind of stuff hindering him early in the season. Um, but, you know, I, if we're talking midseason rankings, I can't throw him at the top if – he's not shown up in two or three of the games. Uh, if we're talking half the games, he hasn't really done anything. And then what's the point in even doing this? So I've got him at four. I still think Brock Bowers, obviously coming in these last two games, he has dominated. I think he will continue to dominate. I think by the end of this season, he will be at the top of my list. Um, assuming, you know, knock on wood, no injuries to any of these guys. But, um, you know, from pure talent standpoint, obviously he should be higher. But from a statistical standpoint, what has she done on the field? I think he deserves to be right there in the four spot. Tuck, I'm I'm really proud of us. Look at us showing restraint. At my uh, at my number t- four, I've got Xavier Leggett, South Carolina. <laughs> um and uh, any listener worth their salt who's been paying attention to this podcast should expect Tuck to have Brock Bowers at number one and Xavier Leggett to be number one for me. And we're we're holding back, listeners. We're this is an honest podcast. We're we're shooting you straight, so we deserve some credit for that. I, I've got Xavier Leggett, South Carolina, at number four. Um, Keep in mind, he's played one game less, so that's important to know. He's 600 yards receiving uh, on a per game basis. He's uh, right at the top of the SEC with Luther Burden the third. He's got three touchdowns. Uh, for those of you that watch South Carolina, he gets shamelessly double teamed uh, basically every possession because our our top receiver from last year has been out with a broken foot. So Xavier gets an elite jump ball receiver. He's six foot three, he's two hundred thirty pounds, and he runs a he ran an electronically timed four three nine earlier in this season. Uh, he also has the fastest time on a football field, college or professional. He was clocked at 22.14 miles per hour. Uh, so he's he's big, he's strong, he's fast. He reminds me a lot of DK Metcalf uh, on the Seattle Seahawks, and I've got him in the fourth spot. I think he is a really, really good receiver who's sort of burst onto the scene this year. I've been really impressed. So I think it's my back-to-back tuck. My number three, this is a guy who, man, the the 3-2-1 for me, like it, anybody could have been three, anybody could have been two, anybody could have been one. I, I think these are the, you're probably your three best options in the SEC this year and for the rest of the season. 
My number three, and this was hard for me because I love this guy, Malik Neighbors, LSU. He's the head of that LSU offensive attack. He's 1A to the best duo, receiving duo, in my opinion, in college, well, in SEC football. 1A, 1B, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr. That's got to be the best duo in the SEC. The best duo in the country right now is Marvin Harrison Jr. and Aniku Egbuka for Ohio State. That's that's an elite combo as well. But uh, Malik Neighbors has been incredible. This is going to be, listener, I can almost guarantee it, this is going to be a top 20 NFL draft pick uh, in this upcoming draft. Elite body control, elite wide receiver, elite high talent guy. Give me Malik Neighbors at the three spot. Tuck, who you got? Well, Dan, I think you're going to be a little surprised by this, but in my three spot, I've got Malik Neighbors. Wow. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, so we finally matched up on one there. Um, but you know what that means? That means I got Xavier Leggett in the number two spot. Wow. Um, I was thinking maybe you didn't have Xavier Leggett, which I was going to be a little offended by. No, I mean, I think when I'm looking at these two, I mean, if we're looking purely at number standpoint, they're pretty even um so far this year especially if you yeah. change things up get, give south carolina the extra game um but the biggest difference for me is the fact that they really get is the only wide receiver on the field for south carolina while lsu has all sorts of weapons i mean lsu has two top four wide receivers when it comes to receiving yards right now in the sec uh, oh, yeah. between malik neighbors and brian thomas so I just I, I give Xavier Leggett just a little bit of the edge because he has had to step up and put the team on his back, especially with Juice Wells down. Definitely, he's he's been carrying this offense. Everyone in the world knows the ball's going to him, and the ball still goes to him. And somehow, him and Spencer Rattler still make connections over and over and over again. Uh, and I, I think that that's special. And I so I've got him up in the two spot right now. Uh, I do think maybe Tennessee figured some things out and maybe some other teams will start to figure out how to slow them down. Yeah, they shamelessly double teamed them, which yeah, every team's going to do moving forward. So, you know, that that might drop him down off this list. But if we're looking again at midseason awards, I'm saying he has had a better first half of the season than Malik Neighbors has. Um, and not saying Malik Neighbors has had a bad season by any means. I, I do think this guy is an absolute stud. I do think he's you know, a top draft pick, uh, but I just got to give credit where it's due. Tuck, I like it. I love your support. Uh, that's just friends supporting friends, and you may or may not see that later on in my list, but my number uh, my number two spot, I, th- I think this is probably your number one spot, is Luther Burden III. He was the number one receiver recruit in the country two years ago. Uh, he had an up and down year last year for Missouri. It, it seemed like he wasn't maybe happy with his production, happy with his target share. Um, and and he looks he looks happy now. He's been elite at Missouri. He's their best offensive player. Um, he's their best skill position player. He's he's the human highlight reel. I think he's one of the top receivers in the country. This is a guy that can do it all. He can return kicks. He can return punts. He can catch the football. They hand the ball off to him a lot, actually. Uh, he has incredible target share on this team with Theo Weiss. Luther Burton's getting about 
35 to 40% of the targets, which is pretty nuts. Uh, and he's delivering statistically. He's the best statistical receiver in the SEC right now, 800 yards, five touchdowns. He's got the biggest target share, and I think he's the best after the catch. So this is an elite, elite, elite wide receiver. Um, you could make an argument this is the second best receiver in the country behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Tuck. This guy is just very, very elite. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about another guy that everyone knows he's getting the ball. Um, every and he every is, time. And yeah. He is still making things happen. Uh, I mean, I, what the bet last week we had with him over 107 yards, I think that was no my brainer. Like, yeah. No brainer bet of the week. <laughs> lock, and he almost had it in the first half. <laughs> um, he almost had it in the first half and did, like against that abysmal LSU secondary. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, he, he's a complete stud, and I do have him number one on my list. I think he deserves it so far this year and and shoot if you look at my quarterback running back wide receiver rankings i've got missouri guy at two on the qb standpoint three on the running back standpoint and one on the wide receiver standpoint so that offense has come out of nowhere if you were to i i would have never told you that any of those guys would be on my list except maybe luther burn but i would have expected him to be further down solely because he had you know, wasn't getting the touches that he needs to get, but obviously that is not the case. Yeah. Tuck, I did not, I did not have those Missouri players on my SEC bingo card. If you will. No. I mean, you just look at Luther Burden's past few games, 11 for 150, 11 for 140, 10 for 180, seven for 120, eight for 120, eight for a hundred. I mean, this guy just has, he gets so many targets, so many catches has so many yards. He's so, so good. Um, and he's just a sophomore, so he's not going to be able to go out after this year. So we're going to get to see him next year, which I'm super pumped about <laughs> because he's he's going to be incredible. Um, my one, folks, really excited uh, about this one, and that's uh, South Carolina's Antoine Juice. What? Well, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no, my number one's Brock Bowers. Uh, Tuck, you had him at four. I've got him at one. This is another feel thing for me. If I could have any offensive player to add to South Carolina and the SEC, it's probably Brock Bowers. Um, I, I think he would elevate, you know, this football team in every way, shape, and form. Whether that's cash it, ca- catching the ball or running my absolute favorite play, Georgia runs, which is where they motion and like hand it off to him right after they snap and he runs to the outside and breaks. The old like end around, yeah, the tight end end around to Brock Bowers. They run that. Well, that's my complaint about Bobo. He doesn't run it as much, but um, like I'm last he's year, keeping it in his bag. We we played we ran it a few times early on, but we haven't run it too much since. I mean, last year it felt like y'all were. It felt like y'all. It was Todd Munkin. It felt like that was Todd Munkin's favorite play. He was yeah, that, that was like Todd Munkin's ISO. Like, that was his go-to. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of handing it up off Bowers the middle, he would do a Brock Bowers end around. That, that was oh, he thing. loved it. He loved uh, it. And it worked every time. And like for me, Brock is he's too big for a cornerback. He's too fast for a safety or a linebacker. He, he, an elite catch radius, elite route runner, elite speed, elite size. I think this is going to be a a Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski type guy in the NFL. Um so give me Brock Bowers, UGA is my number one guy. And that officially, I'm officially made up with the Georgia fans after giving him dud of the week, week two. We've officially, 
we've officially made our amends, Tuck. So we'll take it back just because you put Brock up top. And I, I, yeah. do, I, I look, I respect you sticking to. I think if you look at both of our lists, you can see what we were looking at when we were going through them. You were more of a, how am I going to, if I plug this guy into any team, is he going to make him X amount better? Yeah. Um, yep. And obviously, you stuck with that approach. And that's why you had your boy Spencer Rattler at the top on the QB rankings. And I respect that. And that's why you put Brock Bowers here at the top of the wide receiver tight end rankings. Yeah. We're nothing if not consistent. I'm, I'm doing more of the eye test tucks doing more of the quantitative data tests. So for me, I had to remind you of my list. It was Brock Bowers at one Luther burden at two Malik neighbors at three Xavier will get at four and Evan Stewart at five. And I had Luther Byrne at one, Xavier Leggett at two, Malik Neighbors at three, Brock Bowers at four, and Will Shepard at five. Finally, we had at least someone different here. In the, some different folks. We're doing it. it we, we they haven't all been the same number wise, but at least we got a different guy in there for the for the five slot of the uh, wide receivers. And now, time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is sponsored by Pintail Site Preparation. The team at Pintail is providing the best site preparation work in Savannah, Georgia, and throughout the Lowcountry. If you need the best site prep team in the business, give Pintail a call. Pintail site preparation's goal is to deliver the highest quality, most cost-effective projects on schedule by supporting motivated, flexible, and focused teams, while most importantly, emphasizing on safety. If it's site preparation you want to nail, go ahead and call Pintail. Pintail site preparation, the best in Georgia and the low country folks for our next segment, we're going to talk about our defensive players of the year. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to have the same person here, which would be funny. I've got two. So at least if you only have one, at least we'll have one different person. Uh, so drum roll, please. Let's, let's do our, uh, let's do our defensive player of the year through sec tuck. I'll kick us off. Uh, for me, I've got two, I'm doing a co-defensive player of the year through six weeks. Get excited, Alabama fans. You noticed I didn't have a single Alabama player at quarterback, running back, or receiver slash tight end, but that's okay because my defensive player of the year is Dallas Turner for Alabama. Classic linebacker defensive end hybrid, seven sacks, two forced fumbles, a ton of tackles. I think he's the most disruptive defensive player in the SEC so far this year. I think this is going to be an elite NFL talent on Sundays. I have loved watching Dallas Turner, and I think he's been absolutely fantastic when we just talk about being disruptive. So he's my uh, he's my 1A, and I've got a 1B, but I'd like to hear yours first, Tuck. Before you get into your 1B, I just want to agree with you on your 1A because it, it's oh, the only right choice at this point. I mean, he, he's the best player on what has been the best defense in the SEC so far this year. Uh, he is the sack leader in the SEC. He's the team leader on – this Alabama team. I, I feel like whenever anyone's talking about anyone out else at, on Alabama, they say, well, obviously we know what Dallas Turner is, but this guy yeah. is a good too. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but let's not just gloss over how good Dallas Turner is. I mean, he, yeah. he kind of came in with a ton of hype this year too, could have easily disappeared into the night um, and, and just been, you know, a standard, linebacker but he hasn't done it it he seems to be having one of his best seasons so far uh and, and i think that he 
you know, is a complete stud and deserves SEC player of the year halfway through the season. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I, I would bet on this. Uh, I, I would wager right now Dallas Turner's the first defensive player drafted in the 2024 NFL draft. Does that seem like a fair? What do you think the line? The only reason I'm saying no because linebackers don't typically get drafted that early, um, and I think Kool Aid might be up there. Uh, well, I was actually going to say I think Kool Aid would be my my second player drafted. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's, <laughs> that's true. Um, I so I and I, I haven't really looked at D line rankings. Um, that's probably a better bet. Give us, a give, us, rusher. give us an Alabama player being the first. Drafted, there, yeah. the first defensive player drafted. Yeah, they they got some good some studs in in, in that defense right now, and they uh, they agree. look like the best defense in the SEC this year. I agree. Uh, speaking of studs, uh, my one B for co defensive player of the year that's Maxwell Harrison for Kentucky, forty one tackles, four interceptions, one forced fumble, and two pick sixes, so two touchdowns. Um, this guy's a game breaker. This guy leads the SEC in solo tackles. He's a sophomore, so we're going to get another year of him. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Kentucky's had a great start. You know, tough game, obviously, this week against Georgia, but undefeated before that. And, and st- I still think this is a good football team. And I think Maxwell Hairston's the leader of this defense for Kentucky. Yeah, I think if we were to have this vote, you know, a week ago, I'd probably still have him in there. Uh, but watching that secondary just get torched against yeah. Georgia, I, yeah. I see, I see them getting torched by more offenses in, in days to come. Uh, so, and Dallas Turner, I don't see going anywhere. You make a great point. All right, Tuck, you want to give us your? Uh, let's do offensive and defensive freshman uh, of the year. You want to give us your offensive freshman of the year so far? Why don't we start with the defensive real quick? All right, yeah. Give us your give us your defensive. I've got a one A one B for defensive freshman as well. Well, defense freshman, I've got Caleb Downs yeah. uh, at Alabama as well. <laughs> I, like I think. Coming, one. Yeah, I mean, coming into this season, first of all, freshmen don't start at Alabama, uh, and, and they certainly don't play as well as he's been playing. He, you know, started off a little bit slower. We didn't hear his name as much first four or five games of the season, but. Uh, he, he's been making big plays here later on, and I, I think he's only going to get better and better. I mean, he's a freshman, and, and he was a highly touted recruit. And like I said, especially on the defensive side of the ball, freshmen don't start at Alabama. So this kid's got to be special to come into this Nick Saban defense, start day one, and live up to the hype. Yeah. Tuck, you nailed it. That was my 1A. 1A, Caleb Downs, Alabama, freshman safety, five-star, number one safety in the country in the recruiting rankings. He's a true freshman from actually North Georgia. Uh, 47 tackles, two interceptions, one forced fumble. One of Alabama's defensive analysts was on uh, the Pat McAfee show the other day, and he said something that I thought was really interesting about Caleb Downs, uh, and that was, he, these, this is his quote. He's He works on the defensive staff for Bama. He said, Caleb Downs will be the best safety anybody's ever seen in college football. Wow. And I thought that was like a really <laughs> – you hear people say, he'll be the best in the country in two years or, you know, he'll be really good. I, I thought that was a an interesting take. 
and I'm watching Caleb Downs and I think this guy looks, he's 18 years old. He's a true freshman and he looks very, very, very elite. So yeah, Caleb Downs is my one a, uh, his, believe it or not, is down the street neighbor, the number 18 safety in the recruiting rankings is a guy named Jalen Kilgore. And for the folks that aren't watching the SEC as closely as we are, uh, Jalen Kilgore is a freshman safety at South Carolina. Similar numbers to Caleb Downs, actually. 42 tackles. They have the same amount of solo tackles. Kilgore's got one interception, one forced fumble, and one pass deflection, whereas Caleb Downs has two one-and-one. Very similar numbers. These guys are both safeties. Uh, last year, South Carolina had two safeties start the entire season as true freshmen, uh, DQ Smith and Nick Imanwari. Nick Imanwari is considered one of the better safeties in the SEC. Uh, and I'm watching him play with Jalen Kilgore every week, and I think Jalen Kilgore is just as good. Um, so I think we've got two really, really elite safeties Uh, in the SEC and Caleb Downs and Jalen Kilgore. And it's going to be fun to watch these two grow the next couple of years. I'm excited to watch, uh, watch that battle. I do think Caleb Downs is better anecdotally, but I I think, you know, in two years, we're going to say, wow, Caleb Downs is probably the best defensive player in college football, but this Jalen Kilgore guy on South Carolina is really, really, really good. So those are my one A and one B for defensive true freshman of the year. All right. Do you want to hop into the offensive? Let's do it. Tuck, give us give us our. We did talk about this one before, and I will say there not not a not a ton of offensive freshman talent. Yeah, unless we're just missing something. Um, I don't think we are. You know, looking down the list, I've I've got Luke has with Arkansas. I mean, he's kind of come out of the gate, been a a go to target for this Arkansas offense. He, He was. I believe he was hurt last week, and and so, you know, in this Arkansas offense kind of showed a little bit of that. So he's making a huge leap for uh, helping this Arkansas passing attack uh, straight out of the gate as a true freshman, and and especially in the tight end position. You know, typically you see tight ends might be a little less mature, not don't have the full body type to come out and, and. really make an impact. I mean, Brock Bowers is really the only true freshman tight end that I've seen really come out and make an impact freshman year. Um, and so this Luke has, I mean, he's been really good. He, he's a four-star, highly touted recruit, top 10 tight end in the country, um, and, and went into Arkansas and, and is making a difference day one. So I, I think he deserves some respect uh, in, in this first half of his, his freshman season. Yeah, Tuck, you nailed it. Luke has was, uh, I think he was the number three or four tight end in the country on the 247 Sports Composite. Uh, he's been huge. He's been awesome. I was doing some research for this, and uh, I'm surprised you didn't go with your your guy, Peyton Woodring, freshman kicker for Georgia. He, uh, We're talking three-time SEC freshman of the week. So yeah, that tells I mean, you there's he, not If he didn't give me a heart attack during the Auburn game, maybe I'd give him a <laughs> shout-out. But, uh, you know. I think that just a- speaks – that speaks to how sort of poor the freshman offensive play is that the, the kicker is the seems <laughs> to be winning freshman of the, week. of the week. Yeah. That's funny. So it's, it's Luke has for me too. He's been great. Um, he's been great at Arkansas, big tight end, big target. He was actually leading the team in target share before he got hurt. So this is a, 
this is going to be a really elite tight end. Um, you know, this could be our next Brock Bowers, Tuck. This could be the Brock Bowers next year and since Brock will go. I don't quite probably. see the athleticism in him that, that Brock's got, but I no, look, especially I don't, I don't for this either. Arkansas team, him, him coming out and, and making a, a big difference out of the gate it is important. I regretted it as soon as I said it, but I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm grasping at straws because I'm going to miss Brock Bowers. He's so much fun to watch, and I just – I hope someone can step into that role somewhere and be really, really good. That'd be awesome. Because the SEC always has like one elite tight end, right? Kyle Pitts, Brock Bowers, the list goes on. There's always that one guy where you're like, man, this guy's an absolute weapon. Yeah, so. uh, I agree. I, I'm looking to see who that next guy might be. He might still be on Georgia, just a heads up. Really? Is it going to be Oscar Delp? Could be Oscar Delp. Yeah. Um I mean, he's already shown some glimpses of being really good and obviously sitting behind Brock Bowers. He's not quite getting the target share that he should, but he, if he comes out and starts getting the touches that Brock's getting, he, he might show. I, I don't think he's – I think Brock Bowers is special, special, um, but I think he's a really good tight end. So we'll see. Yeah, for the for the listeners, Oscar Delp apparently was a silent commit to South Carolina and then decommitted and committed to Georgia. So <laughs> oh, that would be disappointing, but good for him. He's a stud. Uh, Tuck, you want to dive into uh, you want to dive into coaching rankings? Finish it off with some good coach power rankings. How does that? Yeah, happen? let's run through them real quick and and just see where we're at midway through the season. Who's been the best coach? Who's Who's been the worst coach? Uh, All right, let's go. Uh, kind of our thoughts around it. Let's go three at a time. We'll start from the the top, and by top I mean bottom. So, uh, my my fourteen is Zach Arnett from Mississippi State. Um, I, I feel bad doing this, right? R R I P Mike Lin- Mike Leach. We say that the pirate every time we talk about him. That that was a continuity hire for Mississippi State, hiring their defensive coordinator. Uh, they wanted. They wanted some consistency there for the staff. You know, they wanted to quote unquote do the right thing and promote from within. I, I think Zach Arnett will be a one and done coach. I don't think he'll be the coach of Mississippi State next year. I think he is a good defensive mind. I do not think he's a great head coach. Um, you know, age doesn't matter, but I think he's too young. Uh, and I don't I, I don't think we're going to see him as an SEC head coach next year. So I've got Zach Arnett at 14. I've got Clark Lee for Vanderbilt at 13. I love Clark Lee, so it's it's sad for me to put him at 13 because I think he's a real coach's coach. Uh, everybody loves him. And I, I think Vandy's getting better, so give him credit. So that's the toughest job in the SEC by far when you think about the academic standards of Vanderbilt that makes it a big challenge. And then the lack of commitment to football, of course, makes it a challenge. Uh, and then my 12, Sam Pittman for Arkansas, a guy I would, I, he's number one in my rankings of coaches. I'd want to have a beer with, but um, I could see him getting fired from Arkansas this year if they don't turn the ship around. And, and uh, the, the sort of the fun story of Sam Pittman, the Arkansas guy taking the Arkansas job uh, that, that story may may not get the fairy tale ending we were hoping for, Tuck. So those are my bottom three. Uh, I've got the exact same three as you, uh, and, and not too much to add. I mean, I just I was expecting more of this Mississippi State team. They got a lot of leaders. They they've they brought back yeah what we thought was going to be the uh, a top quarterback. You know, they they've got a ton of seniors on this team. 
Uh, I thought that this locker room would rally around Zach Garnett, and it just has not happened. Vandy, we don't expect much out of Vandy, so I didn't want to throw Clark Lee under the bus. But when you don't cover a game in your first six games of the season uh, from a betting standpoint, then you don't deserve anything either. Um, (laughs) So I I was debating putting them at the bottom too. But for me, I just had a little bit higher, just higher expectations for Mississippi State. Um, And then I've got Pittman right there with you too in in the third to last spot. They've just been disappointing – you know, three or four straight losses to Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and LSU. I do think those are three kind of top tier in the SEC West teams. Um, but then they've got the loss to BYU on top of it. So yeah. it's kind of like if he just lost those three games, I wouldn't be feeling too bad because, honestly, all games were close. Uh, but they just haven't – that they were all within the touchdown and they just weren't able to eke them out. Um but for me, that BYU loss on top of it all, it, they just seem to be finding ways to lose these ball games um, rather than finding ways to win them. I agree. I agree, Tuck. All right, let's go to eleven to nine. My eleven, uh, Billy Napier for Florida. I, 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 I just I really don't like Billy Napier uh, as a coach. I don't think he's very good. Uh, this Florida team is is winning at home. So good for them, but I think they've lost 13 of their last 14 on the road. So they're really struggling away from home. Um, you know, he's doing a decent job recruiting, but I, I just don't see Billy Napier being super successful at Florida. So I've got him at 11 at 10. I've got Shane Beamer. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a huge diehard South Carolina fan season ticket holder, you name it. And, you know, it, it seems like Shane Beamer's, doing a lot of like the social media stuff and the viral stuff and the, the fun antics and all this stuff. Uh, I, I'd like to see more of a commitment to winning football games. Cause I, I don't think the South Carolina team is very good. I think we've got a number of coaches that Shane Beamer needs to fire at the end of the year. And candidly Tuck, I don't think Beamer is going to fire them. So until he, until he proves his commitment to winning by bringing in a top staff, uh, I, I can't put him any higher than 10. And then I've got Hugh Freeze at Auburn at nine. I, normally Hugh Freeze would be higher for me because of what he's done in the past and what he's done at Liberty. But if you can't, uh, if you can't figure out the forward pass, you don't get to be any higher than number nine <laughs> on my list. Um, well, I hate to have this be so bland, but I've got the exact same list so far as he, Dan. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> You know, just to harp on Napier a little bit, I, I did. I mean, you got to give him some credit for that Tennessee win at home. Yeah, I, I do think plan. that was a yep. perfectly schemed plan. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that loss against Kentucky was equally as bad as the Tennessee game was good. Um, Agreed. And then, Agreed. I anyone that loses to their non-conference opponent like they did to Utah early in the season, I, I I'm dinging extra hard because. You just made the SEC look bad, um, and then like I, I agree with everything you said with Beamer. Uh, I just I don't know if, truthfully, I don't know if there's too many top level guys that want to work for Shane Beamer. Uh, uh, I think you're right, I and maybe maybe show. that's just my take on his personality. Uh, I just don't know if he. I, I do think he's a good players coach guy. I think he might be a good leader of young men. I don't know if he's really a leader of good talented men I, I don't know if 
an offensive coordinator or a really well, good defense coordinator want to come in and play for Shane Beamer? I agree. Um, I mean, the the data that they, they they haven't so far. So yeah. <laughs> the data backs you there. And so, and then I got Hugh Freeze. Uh, like you said, I mean, they they got no passing attack. The only reason I've got them as high as I do is because uh, is because I, I don't think he was really dealt much of a hand, uh, especially from the quarterback situation. Uh, they tried to go out and, and find a new quarterback and Peyton Thorne to see if they could boost up their room, but obviously it's not working. Um, so let's – and they're also recruiting really well, so I, I do want to boost them up for that as well because uh, I, I do think when he Freeze gets his guys in there, they're, they're going to be a completely different team. I agree. You gotta you gotta give Hugh Freeze some grace there because this is an inherited football team, which is always a challenge. We've seen the data on that throughout the SEC. Uh, Tuck, give us your uh, eight seven six here. Eight seven six, and I hope it's not the same as you, but I've got Mark Stoops at Kentucky and eight. Uh, I obviously they were off to a hot start, but didn't really have any proven wins on the bet on their belt and then Georgia just kind of put it to them. And, and Mark Stoops is starting to just be what Stoops is. Uh, they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. They lose to the teams that they're supposed to lose to. They're never going to, you know, I, they don't really beat too many top 25 type teams. I think they're just a top, they're like a number 25 type program. That, that's yeah. Mark Stoops has them there, and I think Kentucky has been content with it for a long time. But eventually, you got to get sick of it, right? I mean, I I would get sick of just every time Georgia comes into my house, they just beat the shit out of us. Um, but you know, I guess I get to beat South Carolina every other year, or you know, something to get my hopes high again. Um, so I like I got Mark Stoops down on this list because I'm kind of just getting sick of the shtick of, of of mark stoops uh hypel at tennessee went up from there I, I forget what number we're at but um i do think hypel is a really good quarter or he is a good quarterbacks coach but also just a really good coach in general yeah but i got him dinged hard for that florida game i, I mean i i don't think he that team came in prepared for that florida game i don't think uh he showed very much grit in that game. And, and I, I'm hoping that Tennessee can turn around and be better for the second half of the season because that that game really dinged him hard for me. And then I've got I don't I, I am pretty sure we've got different ones here. I got Brian Kelly at LSU. Uh right above Josh Heupel. And at, uh what's that at six? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. All right. Well, I'm excited for your five then. Um, you're starting to move and shake a little bit here, which I appreciate. Yeah. I mean, Brian Kelly, he's lost two games. Um, I can't give you credit if, if you're losing these games, um, especially out of conference. That I told you I was going to ding him extra for out of conference losses. And that Florida State loss was bad. I mean, they just did not show up in the second half of it. They, you know, beat Missouri, but barely. They lost to Ole Miss in a close one. They barely beat Arkansas. Yeah, they beat the crap out of Grambling and Mississippi State, but, like, this team should be better than that. Yeah. Uh, 
And, and Brian Kelly doesn't have them in the right spot. And and it really boils down to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, obviously the offense is clicking. Obviously the offense is doing everything it needs to do to win these games. But the defense is horrendous. Like, and not just bad. They are terrible. And so without that, we're talking about playoff contention. We're talking about SEC championships. We're talking about, you know, maybe winning the national championship. And, and so – I don't know what it is about this team, but I, I you got to put it on Brian Kelly, and so I got him really far down this list because of it. Yeah, and you got to think, Tuck. I mean, they're they're offensive and defensive coaches, and for the listener, Brian Kelly is a defensive coach. He was a defensive coordinator before a long time defensive coordinator before he was a head coach. So this is a this is a defensive guy, and the LSU defense is the problem. So you make a right. good point. Um. Yeah, my eight, and you're not going to like this uh, because of what he's done this year. My eight is Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, yeah, he's out. He's overperformed with Missouri. He's recruiting well. They, the recruiting class in the future looks good. He's got three top skill position guys. This looks like a good Missouri team. I just don't like him. It's that simple. Pure <laughs> and simple. I just. Don't I was like, like where him. is he going with all this? Because he's he's making all my points for me. He's my least favorite coach in the SEC, so it, it pained me. to. I wanted to put him at 13, but I was like, I can't. I just – that would just be unfair. So I thought, let's put him right at eight, middle of the pack. <laughs> uh, my seven's Jimbo Fisher. I, I still don't think Jimbo Fisher's a – everybody says Jimbo Fisher's an elite college football coach, and I'm just not seeing that anymore. Uh, Texas A&M looks better, and – They've got unbelievable talent, but I, I'm still not a big Jimbo Fisher guy. And then my six is Mark Stoops. I love Mark Stoops. I love the way Kentucky plays. You make a good point, Tuck. You, they've got to be sick of beating up on the Vanderbilt and South Carolinas and Missouris of the world and then getting beat up by the Georges of the world. But I think Mark Stoops is the man. I think he's one heck of a football coach. So I've got them at, him at six. Uh, and then I'll give you my five, four, three. I've got Josh Heupel at five. You mentioned it. I think he's the best offensive mind in the SEC. And if he's one A, my number four is Lane Kiffin, who I think's one B as an offensive mind. So two just elite offensive minds at five and four for me. And then my number three is Brian Kelly. I still think Brian Kelly is a really, really good football coach. So I've got him at three here. All right. Well, I've got. Uh... Jimbo Fisher uh, at five from a and uh, I do think this A&M team is, is kind of turning around from a talent standpoint, but you can also say that they he lost them this Alabama game <laughs> last week. Yeah. Uh, his time management, his clock management towards the end of the half and, and the end of the game were just abysmal. and. Maybe lost. I, I mean, very well could have lost Texas A&M this game over Alabama. And if he wins it, then we're talking about him being a top two, three coach in the SEC right now. Yeah, um, but then you, you got to look at results. The results are he got his ass kicked by Miami and he blew the Alabama game for him. Uh, and those are his two biggest games of the year. And he's lost them both, and he's got two L's in the sheet right now with six games into the season. So you can't put him any higher than where I've got him at five, I don't feel like. Lane Kiffin up at four. Um, like I made this guy the dud of my week uh, a- after his loss to Alabama. 
and then he turns around and shuts me up. Um, so <laughs> he is just typical Lane Kiffin. I, I, I do think he's a really good offensive mind. That LSU win was obviously a huge win for them. I, I still think that they're right there in the driver's seat uh, in the SEC West because I'm not that confident that Alabama is going to win all their games. So, you know, Ole Miss, I think, is right there, and, and, and we'll see kind of how they play out. Um, and then who do I got in three? Oh, our boy, Eli Drinkwitz. Oh, if you had him higher than three, I was going to – no, I can't. I can't put him above these you. two guys. But I'll let you have him at three. But that's as high as I go. We're talking mid-season awards here, Dan. He's had a better know, first yeah. six games of the season than Eli Drinkwitz and this Missouri Kirby team. Smart. Kirby Smart. I mean, <laughs> arguably no. Um, I, Missouri's got better wins than Georgia has under their belt, and with playing with less talent. And so I don't know. I this Missouri team, and and then they showed grit going neck and neck with LSU there at the end of that game. And, and I I just think that he's doing a whole lot with a little. And and I get not liking the guy. Um, he's not super likable person, but you can't get too mad at the results. He he's this Missouri team from where we had them at the beginning of the season to where they are now has made the biggest 180-degree turn, and so i got to give him credit for it. I like it. I like it. I mean, that makes sense. This is the midseason award, and Missouri has – I hate to say it, but Missouri has – what's the word? They've uh, exceeded expectations, let's say that. And Eli right. Drinkwitz is a big part of that. All right, my two. Number two, the greatest of all time, Nick Saban, Alabama. Nick Saban's getting kind of old. He was on Pat McAfee's show the other day, and he just he seemed like so sick of it, which was funny. He just seemed he seemed so tired. He seemed so just done with college football. This is the greatest college football coach of all time. Unfortunately, the uh, as they say sometimes, the the student becomes the teacher. The student of Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, is now the teacher. He's now the top dog. So. I've got Nick Saban at two, Kirby Smart at one. I think this Alabama defense is really, really good. I think Jalen Milrow looks better and better. I think all roads lead to the SEC championship for these two. But you know what, Tuck? Give me Kirby Smart in Georgia when that SEC championship game happens. And Georgia is going to be number one in any of my sort of like journalistic rankings. Uh, And Kirby Smart is going to be number one on any of my coach rankings until they lose. So. Until they lose, they've got a comfortable spot right there at the top of Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I've got the same thing with you, Dan. And if, I mean, if we're talking offseason, who's the best coach? I mean, Nick Saban or Kirby Smart right this second, you know, we can have that argument. But at the end of the day, we're doing midseason rankings. Georgia's undefeated. Alabama lost to Texas. So if I, I, I can't put a team that's lost a game that they were favored in. Um, actually, were they favored in that Texas? Yeah, they were definitely favored. It was at home. Um, and they, they, they lost the game. Uh, and yeah, and Georgia Georgia hasn't looked great every step of the way, but they have at least taken care of business, winning all the games that they should have this year, and, and finally seem to be coming into their own a little bit after this Kentucky game. And I think 
Kirby Smart kind of knew that early on and put this Georgia team on a slow track, knowing that we could play it slow and, and still probably get away with it. And Nick Saban, I feel like the, the team he's got over there, I mean, he's got to scramble. I do think he has done a tremendous job at getting them to where they're at. Uh, I mean, pulling off that Texas A&M win was huge. Uh, I mean, shoot, we all picked Texas A&M last week. Uh, beating down on Ole Miss was was huge. Uh, you know, just when everyone was starting to count them out, they yeah. won two of their biggest games right here uh, as far as the West goes, and they still control their own destiny. So never count Alabama out. Uh, but like I said, they lost to a Texas team. Georgia didn't. So I got Kirby Smart right above Nick Saban. I like it, Tuck. Well, for the listeners, I'll give you a quick reminder. My uh, my list was Kirby, Kirby Smart 1, Nick Saban 2, Brian Kelly 3, Lane Kiffin 4, Josh Heupel 5, Next tier, Mark Stoops 6, Jimbo Fisher 7, Eli Drinkwitz 8, Hugh Freeze 9, Shane Beamer 10. Next tier, Billy Napier, Sam Pittman, Clark Lee, Zach Arnett. So that's my 1 through 14. And I have Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Eli Drinkwitz, Lane Kiffin, Jimbo Fisher, Brian Kelly, Josh Heifel, Mark Stoops, Hugh Freeze, Shane Beamer, Billy Napier, Sam Pittman, and then at the bottom, Clerkley and Zach Garnett. I like it, Tuck. Well, there you go, listeners. Those are our big SEC guys mid-season awards. Woot, 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 woot. Tuck, any last words? Any final thoughts? No, man. I, I, I might have to miss the next pod. I, I'm, I'm traveling, but I'm sure Dan will find a good replacement for me. So everyone have fun listening in. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Big SEC Guys. We are now on Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast. Please follow, like, subscribe, and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. The end. <laughs>